0: grace and peace to you bloom welcome to our guided liturgy podcast where we join together for prayers confession scripture meditation and a song being that it's summer and people are on vacation this week we don't have dulcie and taryn with us but we do have kristen Heinz, who is our pastor to kids and families thank you for being a part this week
1: yeah thanks for having me i'm excited
0: As always, our prayer for you is that as we engage in the Liturgy together, you would experience the presence and the love, the kindness and peace of Christ, wherever you are and over all that you're holding. As we begin our time together, let's just take time to breathe, to be aware of the presence of Christ among us, in us, and through us, the reality that the Spirit has made us one
1: Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen.
2: Bloom, must join with the church worldwide in praying the prayer of the day. Keep, O Lord, your household, the church, and your steadfast faith and love, that through your grace we may proclaim your truth with boldness and minister your justice with compassion for the sake of our Savior Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Apostle Paul says, Be imitators of God. Love as Christ loved. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Put away all anger and bitterness, all slander and malice. So let us confess our sin to God who forgives us in Christ. In a dark and disfigured world, we have not held out the light of life. Lord, have mercy.
1: Lord, have mercy.
2: In a hungry and despairing world, we have failed to share our bread. Christ, have mercy.
1: Christ, have mercy.
2: In a cold and loveless world, we have kept the love of God to ourselves. Lord, have mercy.
1: Lord, have mercy.
2: May God forgive us by the death of her Son and strengthen us to live in the power of the Spirit all our days. Amen. Here are reading from Psalm 138. From the depths of despair, O Lord, I call for your help. Hear my cry, O Lord. Pay attention to my prayer. Lord, if you kept a record of our sins, who, O Lord, could ever survive? But you offer forgiveness that we might learn to fear you. I am counting on the Lord. Yes, I am counting on him. I have put my hope in his word. I long for the Lord more than centuries long for the dawn. Yes, more than centuries long for the dawn. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is unfailing love. His redemption overflows. He himself will redeem Israel from every kind of sin. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Here, reading
0: from the second letter to the church in Corinth, chapters 4 and 5. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believe in God, so I spoke. We know that God, who raised the Lord Jesus, will raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people... There will be great thanksgiving, and God will receive more and more glory. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now, rather... We fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. We know that when this earthly tent we live is taken down, that is when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God.
1: Here a reading from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 3. One time Jesus entered a house, and the crowds began to gather again. Soon he and his disciples couldn't even find time to eat. When his family heard what was happening, they tried to take him away. He's out of his mind, they said. But the teachers of religious law, who had arrived from Jerusalem, said, He's possessed by Satan, the prince of demons. That's where he gets the power to cast out demons. Jesus called them over and responded with an illustration. How can Satan cast out Satan, he asked. A kingdom divided by civil war will collapse. Similarly, a family splintered by feuding will fall apart. And if Satan is divided and fights against himself, how can he stand? He would never survive. Let me illustrate this further. Who is powerful enough to enter the house of a strong man and plunder his goods? Only someone even stronger. Someone who could tie him up and then plunder his house. I tell you the truth, all sin and blasphemy can be forgiven, but anyone who blasphemes the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. This is a sin with eternal consequences. He told them this because they are saying, he's possessed by an evil spirit. Then Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him. They stood outside and sent word for him to come out and talk with them. There was a crowd sitting around Jesus and someone said, your mother and brothers are outside asking for you. Jesus replied, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he looked at those around him and said, look, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. The Gospel of the Lord.
0: Thanks be to God. We know what the life of Jesus looks like through the narrative of the Gospels. We know that where he went, there was restoration, there was healing, there was the kindness of God poured out among people. And we know that people were called into a more inspired way of seeing themselves and the world around them as they got caught up into the energy of the gospel, which was love being manifest in the person of Jesus. And so we can imagine just faintly what this world looks like, what healing and compassion and restoration looks like displayed in the lives of people and systems. And then we come upon a group of people In this passage, some the family of Jesus and then some religious leaders who see this manifestation of the kingdom of God on the earth and they come and they say that it's evil, that it's the work of Satan. And so you have his family who is concerned. Maybe they're concerned that he would be falsely accused by the religious system. Maybe they're concerned that he's stirring up trouble, that he's pushing against systems that would be better left untouched and unquestioned. But they come and they're concerned. Then you have the other group, the religious leaders, who are actively saying that what he's doing is wrong, what he's doing is evil. And it's almost impossible not to see this story played out in our own day. That when we see the force of love, Christ, the church, when we see these things push against the established system of the day, be it Religious systems or secular systems, those systems that seek to oppress and to destroy human life. When we see a more inspired vision of life together, of humanity, there's this place in us that starts to question it, that starts to feel threatened. And just like those religious leaders, we can start to question that which pushes against, which calls into question what we've built. In their case, it was the religious system of the day. So they're coming to Christ saying, what you are doing is wrong. What you are doing is evil. But it's not. It's the exact opposite. So Jesus talks about this unforgivable sin, blaspheming the Holy Spirit. And that is to say that the unforgivable sin is to be one whose eyes are closed to the work of Christ among them. Who can't see light and darkness as it really is who would defend a system that's oppressive, that's restricting, that's accusational over the work of Christ. The sin here is that people don't see. And not really that they don't see, but they don't want to see. They don't want to see the work of Christ among them, the advancement of a new kingdom an eternal realm in the midst of their world. But that's the work of Christ. It's the work of the church to build a more inspired way of being, to see people as they really are in Christ, to extend love and compassion and healing against every system, against every structure, against every way of being that is contrary to the way of Christ. And that's what we're called to today, to be about something so much more inspired than what we could ever build on our own to open ourselves up to Christ, to the work of the Spirit among us as the church. And yes, there will be those people that can't see the light from the dark. And there's that place in us that's more comfortable with what is, even though we know it not to be inspired and to be Spirit-led, than the thing that Christ is doing, which on some level is always offensive to us because it calls us to places that sometimes that we'd rather not go, to truly see every person as holding within them the image of the Creator, to love every person, to extend healing, to extend compassion, when sometimes we would rather not. It's the call of Christ nonetheless. It's what makes the journey of following Jesus one where we take up our cross where we sacrifice our own desires, our own selfishness every day, that we would live more beautifully in Christ. And at the end of this whole thing, Jesus redefines the people that will carry this healing within them, the family of God. He, in front of them, redefines their view of family, their view of mother and brother and sister. And he says, it's not so much about blood, but rather it's about spirit. It's about rebirth into a new humanity through Christ in which the people of God on the earth who are filled with the spirit, whose eyes are open to the work of Christ and wanting the work of Christ to be made manifest in them and through them are in fact the family of God. And that family of God, as it grows, as it includes more and more people, as it works for peace and reconciliation on the earth, is that force that pushes against the systems, of oppression, of control, those systems that are completely uninspired but built on the efforts of our own flesh. That family of God builds a new system, a new structure, a new kingdom on the earth that's inspired and empowered by the Spirit of God. And that's how Christ is expressed on the earth, through the family of God, through the church. I think it gives us an inspired view to look not only at The reality of light and dark on the earth, the advancement of the kingdom of God versus the systems that we have built. But it also gives us an inspired view for who we are as we do that work, as we live that life. That we're brothers and sisters, that we're fathers and mothers to each other, that we're sons and daughters to each other. And the church is that divine family on the earth. We're not about divisiveness and we're not about exclusion but we treat each other as sisters, as daughters, as fathers, as mothers. Above it all, it's kind. And as this divine kindness and divine compassion flows through us and invites us into something so much more beautiful that we could build on our own, that has the power to change the world, to come against every system, every accusation, every false view of who we really are in Christ and call all people to belong, to be known. It's a beautiful view of who we are, really.
2: It's inspiring. So I've, n- I've never really made the connection of the family thing that's at the end of this passage. Because the whole, the whole thing is really just about Jesus wanting to make sure that people take the Holy Spirit seriously so that everyone is seeing him doing these amazing things and saying he's out of his mind. He's crazy. And then it's, it's almost like in a way to defend himself, he says, like you, you have to take this seriously. This Mm -hmm. is a big deal. Like you don't blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Like any other blasphemy can be forgiven, but this is real. This is like, this is something that you have to pay attention to. And then he goes into the family thing, which is very interesting because it's a, mm. it has huge implications for the church because it's saying that everyone around you is your family like you need to treat everyone around you as if they're family it's a it's a big declarative statement that is kind of tacked on to this other bigger theological statement that get that people get caught up in it's almost easy to just not worry about the family thing and just like focus on this this big theological thing of like this could send me to hell or whatever. Like mm-hmm. that's kind of where people get stuck. But on, honestly, just tacking that on the end of the passage is probably the more important thing within the passage is saying like, we all have this Holy spirit, this thing, like where you have the, the invitation to yeah. receive the Holy spirit. Mm-hmm. And because yeah. of that, we're able to see each other as fan, like then, then your eyes will be open to like what's really happening underneath this, like the kingdom, you know, that we're all in this together. We're all family. We're all brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers to each other. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like this this idea that love and the Holy Spirit, these two things mingled together, is what makes us a family and what brings us together. So I, I've just never made that connection before.
1: Yeah, as you're talking through this, something that I noticed in me when we were initially reading through the passage is this reaction it feels like jesus is being harsh with his own family it feels like almost rejection of them but the way that you just framed it in the church being the embodiment of the spirit mm. as our family flips this like you said it makes it a theological statement of those who are one in the spirit are family and it becomes a statement of inclusion rather mm. than exclusion Yeah. so that rather than pointing at one another as we're in our spaces as a community working to bring the kingdom in whatever iteration we find ourselves in that opens our eyes again and it's an invitation to see the Holy Spirit in one another rather than that defensiveness rather than holding a posture of questioning of fear of one another.
0: Yeah. I think we can hold on to these statements in this position and hear unforgiven and hear who are our mothers and brothers and questioning our idea of nuclear family. And and with an uninspired mind, what we hear is fear and exclusion. But to your point, that's not it at all with the concept of family, he's opening. Mm-hmm. He's he's invitational. He's he's redefining family in a way that's so much more inclusive yeah. than what they had. Ar- you know, they were offended at his redefining. But if you see it as he's calling us to see it with the inspired view, with the eyes of the Spirit, then you're saying you're able to see that this is an invitation to all people. Mm-hmm. It's an inclusive reality of family. And I think with the With the statement of don't blaspheme, it's not this hard, heavy, don't do this sin or you're going to burn. I mean, that's not what it's saying. There's a kindness in there. He's saying, careful, don't miss it. Mm -hmm. You're missing what the Spirit is doing. In fact, you're calling it evil. So again, it's it's rather than fear, it's freedom. Mm -hmm. I think he's saying, if you would just free yourself from your rigid, Ways of seeing God and others yeah. mm-hmm. that I am, yes, I am coming against that. I'm empowering women. I am healing people. You'd rather not be healed. I'm like, there are some things that Jesus is about that are uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I feel like he's saying how I hear him mm-hmm. is be careful. Yeah. Like, open your eyes to this. Don't continue to be closed minded mm-hmm. and closed eyed. It's what Paul is saying. When, when, the, when we are filled with the Spirit of God, we receive the mind of Christ. We start seeing with the eyes of the Spirit that that's what Paul's experience was. I mean, he was most steeped in the religious system of the day, most opposed to the work of Christ. But then he accepted the invitation, and that's mm-hmm. kind of what Christ is calling them into. Be careful what you call evil and what you call good, what you call light, what you call darkness. Mm-hmm. And I think that message is for us today. How many times does the church defend the institution, the structure, the system, the doctrine, the ethics over the, the work people. of Christ? Yeah. yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think what I'm I really love about this is that he's not afraid to just continue to challenge
0: mm-hmm.
1: the assumptions that are made based on societal and cultural norms for mm-hmm. the sake of opening to the Spirit for the sake of love and inclusion, and for the sake of openness for calling the people of God out of the divisiveness. As he receives pushback, he continues to invite people in. But it's not him defending. It's an invitation, and then it's on us to receive the invitation or be defensive. There's two responses that we can have. And he leaves it open.
0: Yeah, I was struck um, hearing Bill speak about this on Sunday. And for those of you listening that haven't heard the, the talk from Sunday, you can hear it on the Talks podcast. And I really would recommend it because it was such an invitational message to, to who we really are in Christ as a people. But it's interesting because... You think about if there is a war between light and dark, you think, you know, especially in in America, we think in terms of missiles and strength and tanks and intelligence and um, how the creator of it all thinks about this war of darkness and light. The restorative work is done by a family. I mean, it's the most unintimidating institution. It's not that we're commanders and we're soldiers, we're, we're sisters and we're fathers. There's this sense that what happens in a family, attachment and belonging and nurturing and encouragement, that is the texture of the kingdom of God, of the church, of the light against the dark. And to me, it just speaks of a greater reality, which is the kingdom of God comes upon the earth through humans being fully who we are made to be in Christ, having the fullness of relationships with each other, having the fullness of the view of who we truly are held in our bodies and held in creation and held in community. That is what changes the world. That is what holds the restorative work. That's what is the light. Mm-hmm. And it's so Simple and so beautiful and also so damn hard because the family and community is what's so attacked. We've put divisive structures. We've put qualifications for belonging. I mean, as I think of the journey to the table every Sunday, how many things, you know, metaphorically have we put in the way from people coming to the table and experiencing Christ and community? And then we have the way that you know, as Bill said on Sunday, the way that evangelical church in the U.S. has elevated the nuclear family to the exclusion of those who aren't attached to a nuclear family,
2: which is more and more prevalent today. Totally, like that—that that whole idea of a nu- nuclear family is is almost like a unicorn in today's culture. Of like, oh yeah. As much as I love the idea of the nuclear family, like the world that we live in is is always going to have this, and so. Our response isn't to say, or shouldn't be to say, you need to get married or you need to, you know, fix your family. It's more about like, you're invited into this family. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like you were saying, it's not, it doesn't need to become a qualifier to be included. Yeah. The inclusion is automatic with the kingdom. And Mm -hmm. it's us, it's the people that put our own expectations and our own qualifiers in those communities that end up keeping people out that tell them that they don't belong unless they can check certain boxes.
0: Yeah. I mean, even our modern evangelical ways of, of categorizing people as they journey through life in terms of where are they in relation to the creation of and deterioration of a nuclear family. So you have the singles ministry, and when you get married and graduate out of that, then you're in the young married and then you're in the kids and then the kids go and they start their thing and then they move out, then you're empty nesters. I mean, it's all in relationship to this view of family that Christ is not advocating for. I mean, I think we could get in a lot of trouble for saying this, Yeah. but isn't it more inspired to say that the community of God raises the kids together? That we care for the old together. Mm-hmm. That we hold the aloneness that some feel together. And what we're doing now is we're saying, when you really make it, you'll be married and you'll have kids. And then what's happening is we section those families off and it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard to raise your kids alone apart from community. It falls mm-hmm. apart.
1: We assume they don't need the care anymore.
0: Yeah we say to the ones who aren't married and don't have kids that they're kind of in this nuclear family purgatory in the church and,
2: mm-hmm. and all we want them to do is serve serve the church
1: yes. or that something's wrong if they don't want a nuclear family yeah yeah
2: so it just
0: I and mean, we may be taking this in a totally yeah. crazy direction but <laughs> yeah. i think i think the call for us as coming out of this modern era of classification and categorization of people is that perhaps we start to loosen those categories and classifications and we start to see with the Spirit that we have been made to be a family in Christ. And, um, and perhaps that would, that would start to do something at least. And once we start truly holding the cares and concerns and the dreams and the hopes of the community of God of the people together, we become a family and we'll start to see that advancement of light and the places of dark that they were seeing when Jesus was walking around because he saw people and cared for people as if they were his sister and his brother. We say that over and over again. So perhaps we would see that restorative work that we believe can happen through the church. Mm -hmm. If we start to see each other differently, more inclusively more
2: inspired, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily, like I'm not saying we need to completely reject the idea of the nuclear family. I don't think any of us are saying that. No. We're just saying that as this world has gone on and as cultures have built, that that isn't as much a thing anymore. You know, we're not trying to be the, the moral majority or whatever that that thing was in the 60s where we're trying to like, Reinstitute this idea of the nuclear family within the Christian world or within the world in general. What we're saying is, the world has changed and will continue to change, and the church also has to be willing to accept that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I I think the church should be the most accepting place in the world. I think it should be the where people feel like they're a part of a family, where they're a part of something. Uh, that's bigger than themselves. And so I I think that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit to love one another more deeply than we could on our own, I think. Mm -hmm. And so that, that is the invitation into this community. Whatever situation you find yourself in with your family or your attachments, like we're saying, this is a safe place for you.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: It's such a beautiful vision that Jesus is casting and that becomes the most countercultural piece. Yeah. Like you were saying earlier, I think there are those that would come in and say this is evil. We need to maintain the nuclear family or reinstitute the moral high ground on whatever that looks like. And it's it's a direct to me that's a direct application of the invitation from Jesus here. It calls us to actually look at what the Holy Spirit is doing in a community, in a body of people and how there's new life and how there's love and how there's acceptance and healing of those that maybe they don't want to be healed of -hmm. how there's deliverance. It's so beautiful, but I can also see the defensiveness and the fear of, well, this is not what I know. This is not what I've hold. This is not the system that's been given to me. So how do I make sense of this? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I think that's where the spirit comes into this as well, where Jesus is saying, careful, maybe we can open our eyes a little bit Mm -hmm. and pay attention and look for new ways that the spirit has been working that maybe we've never attuned to before.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in no way do we or does Bloom reject the idea of a nuclear family. I mean, that's insane. Because it's a reality. I mean, you might as well be like a flat earther. (laughs) Because everyone is born. We all have a mother. We all have a father. Many of us have siblings. Many of us go on to create another nuclear family ourselves. That is a reality. So to reject it would be to be crazy. Mm. But I think what we're trying to grasp here is that there's something that we're all held within every family, every person that's bigger than that. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the ways that we're aware that the nuclear family is a reality is because many of us carry immense pain, either from insecure attachments with our parents or our siblings or that deep awareness that we didn't get what we needed, that belonging, that protection. And that's what's so compelling about this is that Christ is saying, there still exists on planet earth, a community that can heal those wounds, that can mm-hmm. restore, that can protect, that can offer that deep belonging. I would say a supernatural belonging. We're all held within that. So it's not a rejection of, of reality. It's an expansion of what is into an eternal mm-hmm. reality. We're an awakening to like what reality actually is. Mm -hmm. True. What it really is defined by creator. Mm -hmm. I'll just close by saying something I've learned through the pandemic. Being a therapist is that I've seen more and more couples, more and more marriages, families, and counseling just at the verge of ripping apart. Mm -hmm. Someone asked me, why, why has that been more in the pandemic? When we were closer together, we had more time to enrich our relationship. Like why in the pandemic have families been falling apart? And I think it's because we've all lost those external sources of support and encouragement. I and mean, we've lost those happy hours and volleyball leagues and times talking to guys and to girls about what we're going through and relating, I mean, all that's been so cut off. So we're just existing in abstractness. And I think it speaks to the deep need that not only singles, but also families have for a robust community in which they are to live and to thrive and exist. And no one can do this alone. Single, married, kid, no one can do this alone. We need the family of God that's been constructed for us and the reality of the eternal. So there is a deep invitation to see each other the way that we're seen by God. Who is our mother, who is our father, to see each other as one in Christ. I mean, that theme just keeps coming up. That, as Jesus says in this passage, is how the light overcomes the darkness in our world. It's through that family that restoration and peace and healing and kindness, and in fact, love is made manifest on the earth, into every place, into every system. So Bloom, our prayer over you is that you would be drawn into the reality of sisterhood and brotherhood, motherhood, fatherhood, and the family of Christ. That as you live and breathe and move in that reality, we would see the restoration of Christ made manifest in our world, in our city, in our places in which we live. Grace and peace to you.
1: We pray to God, the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come upon us. Come, Holy Spirit, creator, and renew the earth. Holy Spirit, come upon us. Come, Holy Spirit, counselor, and touch our lips that we may proclaim your word. Holy Spirit, come upon us. Come, Holy Spirit, power from on high. Make us channels of peace and ministers of healing. Holy Spirit, come upon us. Come, Holy Spirit, breath of God. Give life to the dry bones around us and make us a living people, holy and free. Holy Spirit, come upon us. Come, Holy Spirit, wisdom and truth. Strengthen us to be bold in faith. Holy Spirit, come upon us.